Hello, everyone. This is the Asher Marketing Podcast, and I'm Anthony Giuliano, and our guest this week is Sherry Berghoff. Sherry, thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Well, Sherry, we're going to dive into a little bit of your background and your new ventures, which are all framed under one purpose, but it sounds like you have multiple purposes under one purpose. Sure. Yeah. So um, I think our main purpose is just to serve and to be able to help the community be better. Um, My motto has always been throughout my career is be better today than we were yesterday, better tomorrow than we are today. Um, So everything in, in all of my career has been framed around that kind of my own motto. All right. Well, that's a great that's a great place to start. And we want to talk about a few things, as you know, in this podcast, your career path, the organizations that you have launched and some which have a little bit more history and some that are brand new. So that'll be exciting to talk about. And then some of the projects you work on. I want to start with your career path. So you are a Northeast Indiana native. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the work that you're doing today. So that can be as long and winding a road as you would like it to be. Sure. So graduated from New Haven High School. I'm very proud to be a bulldog still to this day. Um, But I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I graduated from high school. I actually graduated from high school married, Mm -hmm. uh, not because I had to, because I wanted to be. Okay. All right. And um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Uh, My the year between my junior and senior year of high school, I worked as an executive assistant to the director of transportation for East Allen County Schools. And I was like, I kind of enjoyed that. So Mm -hmm. I thought executive assistant was the career path for me. And so I started looking for a job right after high school and uh, landed a position with a local law firm, which is still in business today and worked for them for about three years. And progressively, I started as an executive assistant, worked up to basically a paralegal, uh, really enjoyed the work, but still felt like there was something else I was supposed to be doing. Sure. Um, So we had been doing work comp and uh, some professional liability claims and things like that from a plaintiff's perspective. Mm -hmm. So I hopped over to the other side and Uh went to work for an insurance company Okay, uh, and learned the other side of what that looks like from a risk management perspective. But still, it it really wasn't what was, uh, I felt like I wasn't called there. Okay. Um, and that organization, after working for them for about three years and advancing as high as I could advance with them, they decided to move their office to Indianapolis. I didn't want to relocate. Sure. And uh, so I took that severance package and I went back to school. And it was really uh, when I was in school working on my degree, I had to take as part of my business program a principles of selling class. Okay. Uh, I was an accounting major. Yeah. And uh, it was that professor who said, Sherry, you don't want to be an accountant. Okay. So what did that person see in you that maybe you hadn't quite caught up to in yourself? He said, you have a natural ability to lead. And he said, I want to tell you something, something I learned a long time ago. He said, if you can learn to sell, your family will never go hungry. Mm -hmm. And you have a natural ability to lead. You can be a sales leader. I hadn't really thought about that before. Sure. Uh, And I'd been involved in a lot of organizations and done a lot of event planning for -for non-for-profit organizations, um, led a lot of things, 
PTA, all of those things for my children, but never really saw myself as a leader until he called me out and said, hey, you're not going to be happy sitting in a cubicle punching numbers all yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, and so I immediately I switched my major to marketing. And that's kind of where I've been since that time. So where did you go to school? Uh, so I started at Ivy Tech. Yep. Uh, and that's where I really got my first exposure to getting out there to public speaking. Um, I ran for an international office for Honor Society. Ivy Tech sent me to Texas to um, campaign for that international office. I spoke in front of 2,500 people oh, wow. for the very first time in my life. Yeah, uh, It was an amazing experience and um, spoke in front of the Indiana legislature and was actually part of um, getting it changed so that um, credits from a two-year university could transfer to a four-year university. Oh, wow. That's pretty huge. Because when yeah. I graduated from Ivy Tech, absolutely none of my credits transferred. Really? So I had to start wow. all over again towards my bachelor's degree. Wow. So was this part of one of the legislative days that Ivy Tech has when yes. they go down to the state house, bring students and sort of, you know, uh, lobby, if you will, to the lawmakers about Ivy Tech's importance in Indiana? Yes. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. Uh, very proud of that work. Since then, I've had two of my children take classes at Ivy Tech and be able to transfer those credits then on to a four-year university. So. Yeah, it's really a smart option. Um, you know, we're big fans of Ivy Tech here at Asher, and, you know, the the cost savings is just part of it. But there's a lot of students, and I would have been one of them when I first enrolled in college, who kind of need that personal attention to figure out what it is they want to do and get off to a good start in college. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you complete a degree at Ivy Tech, and then where do you go from there? Uh, so I went on. Uh, actually, I transferred to St. Francis. Mm -hmm. um, didn't finish my degree there. Got really close. Um, but um, anyway, so the story unfolds, and I you know, have to enter the workforce. And I really... Um, started uh, actually formed my, uh, my own company again with uh, my husband. We formed a company called um, Vehicle Accents. We ran that company for about 15 years. And then I found myself through the work uh, with the New Haven Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. I served as the board of directors chairman uh, for the New Haven Chamber of Commerce. And an opportunity in healthcare came my way. Okay. And uh, I just took the opportunity and I fell in love with the healthcare and I've been in healthcare ever since. So no prior experience in healthcare up until that point. So where is that first job that you gained this, you know, passion for the work in healthcare? Yeah. So I walked into what was called um, New Haven Care and Rehab right mm -hmm. there in our New Haven community is what it was called at the time. It's a small skilled nursing center that had been there for years. My mother actually worked there as an aide okay. when she was younger, um, and they were looking for an admissions and marketing director, had never been in a role like that before. Um, I walked in and met with the administrator and just said, I can do this. Let me prove it to you. And he offered me the job on the spot. And again, I fell in love with it and um, just knew that this was where I was supposed to be. Um, my grandmother played a pretty big role in my life, mm -hmm. and uh, she passed away um, before I had my first child, which was really upsetting to me. I wanted sure. them to have the opportunity to meet their, their great-grandmother, and uh, I, I just felt like I had a whole building full of grandmothers for my children. 
and uh, just fell in love with serving that population, the older population, and um, loved it. So I spent about five years there, wanted to move on, and uh, I went to seek my administrator's license so that I could become an administrator. Did that for about six years at two different organizations, um, and then just continued to climb. And so the next position I had was a VP of operations position. Uh, still knowing, though, in the back of my mind, marketing is where my passion is sure, at. Sure. So moved into a VP of sales and marketing role. Okay. So so that operations role probably gave you a different perspective in marketing, I would assume, the broader picture, maybe informing that work a little bit? Absolutely. So it helped me not only um, coach the marketing team in terms of how to sell the vision of what operations is trying to create, but then also it gave me the opportunity to help keep coach the operations team on it takes a whole team to sell um, like the operations team are the promise keepers for the marketing directors. Okay. All right. So, you know, one of the terms that you hear all the time is, you know, th- that an employer will say, well, this person's overqualified. Did you have any issues with moving from operations back into a sales and marketing role? Or were you able to sell that given your background in sales as, you know, the right move for you and for the organization? So I, there have been a few times when there's been a couple of positions where they've pushed back a bit yeah. on it, but I, I do think that I'm passionate about uh, enough about what I'm doing to show them the value that I bring to the position that I was, you know, seeking at that moment in time. Sure. Um, but it all goes back to just my hunger to learn mm-hmm. and to grow and yeah. to not want to stay where I currently am. And I feel like the more exposure I have to each of those different areas, uh, the more um, I am able to coach someone else who's coming up from where I started. Sure. Just that I that better idea of what actually happens on the front lines and then bringing that in and inform. And, and I think one of the things that strikes me as you're talking is that Marketing today really only works if it's authentic to the experience. And when you're in operations, you're going to understand what the experience is really like in a way that's hard to replicate from the marketing chair alone. Exactly. But two, operations sometimes has a hard time understanding the perspective of the marketing side, too. And so having been in both roles, I can help coach both sides. Sure. Um, and so that's kind of led me to where I'm at right now with one of the organizations under one the One Purpose family, and that is the consulting role where I can go in and I can lend value to both sides of the healthcare business, whether it's the marketing side or whether it's the operations side. So let's talk a little bit about that. You've got this umbrella organization, One Purpose, but there's multiple things that you do under One Purpose. So tell me a little bit about how it's structured, what services you provide, and how How do you keep everything prioritized with as many things as you're working on at once? Yeah, sure. So it it, it all goes back to surrounding yourself with really good people. And so I've really brought some excellent talent onto my team to help me. There's no way I could do this by myself. Uh, Any successful organization has a great team in place. And so while I'm still building it for a couple of them, uh, I have brought some good team members on place uh, on my team. So let's see, let's start with the whole idea to break away from the role I was in um, started with the company One Purpose um, Senior Healthcare. And um, again, it's keeping your ears open to opportunities. Um, An opportunity got mentioned to me 
Silver Birch, the company I was currently working for, wasn't interested in pursuing it. And I just said, I can do this. I can make this work into a viable business that can really help our community. And that was really focused on providing what's called integrated healthcare coordination to waiver Medicaid waiver individuals who are still trying to um, be able to live in their own homes. They don't, they're not ready. They don't want to move into an assisted living home or move into a skilled nursing center. And so what integrated healthcare coordination does is allows us to help manage their care and oversee their care in such a way that it keeps all of the, um, medical professionals involved in their care in constant communication with each other. So we act as that liaison between all of the providers to make sure that we are doing the best that we can possibly do to have better health outcomes for those individuals. Okay. Is this something that the individual themselves will find you or is it the healthcare providers that find you or how does how do you get connected to the clients you serve? Sure. So a lot of the referrals we get come from the agency here in town called um, Aging and In-Home Services. They're the case managers over the clients who have Medicaid waiver services. Okay. So a lot of our referrals are going to come directly through Aging and In-Home Services. But we have lots of other home health care organizations who don't provide this service who are also referring to us. We have elder law attorneys who work with clients to get them on Medicaid waiver who are giving us referrals. Um, so there's a lot of different organizations that can provide referrals directly to our organization. Okay, so that's one of the things you do. Let's talk about some of the other things you do, the other named businesses and, and yeah. what services they provide. Yeah, so One Purpose Marketing is another firm. Uh, through that firm, we can provide social media management. We can help develop and design logos and brands for organizations. Um, we've built web pages. We've um, managed um, Facebook pages for organizations, things like that. Um, I do have a graphic designer on my team who does a fabulous job. Um, and so we can do just about anything a small marketing firm can do. Um, really, that business is really targeted at the small business owner who doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of resources, um, just needs uh, some guidance on how do I move this thing forward? How do I really kick this into gear? I don't have a lot of money to invest, but I know I need to do something. Where do I start? Sure. Right. Yeah. So really trying to help that small um, business individual. But one of the projects we're working on right now for One Purpose Marketing is a rebranding campaign for a local skilled nursing center. Mm -hmm. Pretty proud of, uh, of that, working with them. I'll do some one-on-one -on -one coaching with their sales and marketing director, um, really just focused on increasing the strengths she already has, which I can see that she's hungry to learn. And really, that's all the individual needs to be willing to do is to learn. And so we're pretty excited about that project and about kicking off that rebranding. So is most of the work you do on the marketing side, is it associated with uh, organizations that serve seniors or is it, a, is it more diverse than that? It is. It's, it's really open to any kind of business. Sure. So we've done, um, we've done lawn care, we've done health care, 
we've done. I'm trying to think of some of the other projects we've worked on. Um, but no, that particular business is the only one of all okay. of them that isn't specifically focused on senior health care. All right. Okay. So let's talk about some of the other entities because there's, hang on people, there's a, there's a list. Yeah. There's a few things. So um, One Purpose Senior Services really is that consulting business where I mentioned previously we can consult from a sales and marketing perspective or we can consult from um, an operations perspective. Um, we, um, through One Purpose Senior Healthcare, we have no interest in going into like an assisted living and providing that healthcare coordination that I mentioned that we do. So what we've been doing through our consulting business is going in and teaching assisted living communities how to run this program themselves internally um, to increase their revenue and increase better health outcomes for their residents living in their community. So that's one of the consulting things that we're doing. Um, Another consulting thing that we're doing for a couple of organizations is um, actually doing the research for how to open Medicaid communities in other states. So they've hired us to do the the background and the research. Uh, I've got some background in some of the operational roles I've been in where I've served uh, and opened and ran assisted living communities in other Medicaid waiver states. So really um, finding out for them in the states that they've identified they want to expand in um, what it will take to be able to be a provider in those states. Okay. All right. So that's pretty technical technical work. That's not something that most people have a background. Yeah, in. yeah. Yeah. Knowing where to start to do that research and who to talk to, who yeah. can give you those answers. All right. And there's one more entity we haven't talked about. Share a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, One Purpose Senior Adventures, or it's, uh, for short, we call it Ops Adventures, which I love. Um It's probably, out of all the organizations, the one I'm most proud of. I need the others to to pay bills. Uh, My hope for this non-for-profit is that we just really get to have some fun and really get to um, enjoy um, seeing smiling faces and satisfaction of getting to do something someone's always wanted to do. So what it is, is a non-for-profit that we're forming, uh, working with a consultant right now to help me finalize that application for 501c3 status. Um, But what we will do is grant bucket list wishes to individuals of low income. They have to be, have a certain uh, level of income qualified for Medicaid waiver, uh, living in assisted living and skilled nursing centers. So the story behind that, there's always a story, right? Uh, So the story behind that is about five years ago, my mother lives now in southern Tennessee, and um, I went to visit my mother. And, you know, normally we go out to eat and we go shopping when I visit her. And so on this particular visit, I said, Mom, what would you like to do while I'm here this time? And she said, well... I saw some pictures on Facebook of you taking the kids zip lining. I think I'd like to try that. So my mom was 78 years old. Wow. Uh, and I said, Mom, you're definitely afraid of heights. You realize that in order to zip line, you have to get up high, right? And she said, yeah, but I still think maybe the next time you come, we can do it. I said, oh, no, if this is something you want to do, we're going to find a place and we're going to do it. And so the very next day, we went zip lining. And so that started a process of every year when I went to visit, um, 
a new adventure. Okay. So the next year, um, she's deathly afraid of water, never learned to swim a day in her life. We went whitewater rafting. Oh, wow. Uh, the next year, um, we I took her to opening day of Dollywood because she wanted to meet Dolly Parton. And so she got to meet Dolly oh, Parton. Oh, wow. Um, the next year, we went on a hot air balloon ride. So I start doing these adventures with my mother. And of course, then my parents who have been divorced since they're nine or since I was nine, um, my dad sees these pictures on Facebook and my dad says, well, I think I'd like to try zip lining." <laughs> so at 82, I took wow. my dad zip lining uh, for the very first time. So, so how did they do as someone who is deathly afraid of heights and who has zip lined? How did your mom do? She did abs- absolutely fabulous, okay. as a matter of fact. So I thought she was going to chicken out yeah. until we got to the top and she saw uh, a little girl that was probably no more than six yeah. hop up on the platform and just go for it. Yeah. And she's like, if she can do it, I can do this. Yeah. So All right. anyway. Well, good for her. That's great. So, so you know, you've, you've got people who might have health limitations. Um, how do you navigate that if somebody, if, and again, you're just starting with this, yeah. so I'm sure you've thought about these things, but I don't expect, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, hard and fast rules yet, but how do you help people dream big while also understanding that, you know, they could put themselves in danger if they push themselves too far? Yeah. So it really will be working with their healthcare providers mm-hmm. to make sure that we're putting them in a situation that, you know, is going to be safe for them, yeah. um, you know, and then working with, we'll also, um, you know, obviously we're going to be partnering with those organizations that um, host those adventures, you know, the companies that host the whitewater rafting, yeah. things like that. The one thing that I learned um over the years of doing these adventures with my mom is that the organizations that I've worked with have really been fabulous about understanding her limitations and really working with me to make sure that we kept her safe. And I know that that will continue as we work with different partners um, over the years in terms of uh, providing these adventures. So um, particularly the whitewater rafting, I was Deathly afraid. You know, whitewater rafting is a participatory sport. Like the people in the boat are paddling. um, And my mother wasn't going to be able to do that. And so we did talk about it ahead of time. How can we keep her safe, Mm -hmm. have her enjoy the experience, while at the same time, the guide and I still have to provide part of the paddling. Yeah. You can't be fully focused on her because you have to focus on keeping yourself safe and the boat going in the right direction. Correct. (laughs) So we were, uh, we really worked as a team, the guide and I, in making sure that um, she remained safe while we still did what we needed to do to make it an enjoyable experience for the whole raft. So, um, and I, I will continue to make sure that we partner with those kind of organizations that are committed to providing a good experience, but also a safe experience. So what is on your bucket list of bucket list adventures you'd like to help someone experience? Do you have any anything that you would love to do that you're just looking for the right match in terms of a senior who's interested in doing it and then the funding behind it? Anything come to mind? So... Um, Now, I've done a lot of adventurous things, so um, I'm a pretty adventurous person, and I think that's why I feel so called to do this. 
I, I see in the seniors that I meet every day in, in these assisted living and skilled nursing, um, sort of the disappointment of things that they didn't get accomplished yeah. during their lifetime. Sure. Um, and so I want to bring that joy to them. But I've done a lot. I've done skydiving. I've done cliff diving. I've you know, I've jumped out of a plane a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, whitewater rafting and all those things. I've ran a marathon. I've run, a, rode a hundred mile bike ride. So a lot of things I've done already, there's really, there's nothing, I don't want to say there's nothing left on my bucket list because there are like, I, I've never been to Italy. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Italy and yeah. those kinds of things. But um, for the most part, I've done all the adventurous things. Now I want to share that experience with other people. Well, and it's such such a huge confidence builder. Um, you know, even if you do it and it's not perfect, um, I, I've done some of the same things, not quite as adventurous as you, but something like running a marathon is literally something no one can take away from you. And I would think for a senior, that's a way for them to just have more confidence in daily life. Uh, you know, if you can whitewater raft and you can zip line, then it's going to feel a little bit easier to go through some of the challenges that, that every senior is going to face. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I just want to see that joy on their face when they have accomplished something that they've maybe dreamt of doing. And it doesn't have to be that grandiose. So, you know, I, I've met individuals that just one last time I'd like to sit on that Harley motorcycle or be taken on a ride on that sure. Harley. Uh, I've met individuals who never made it to a professional baseball game or a professional football game and would just, you know, love that. Never ridden in a race car before and would love the opportunity to experience that. So it doesn't have to be cliff diving and skydiving and those kinds of things. It can be as simple as a baseball game uh, and Sometimes I hear, I just like to get to my grandson's baseball game. Sure, sure. You know, we, sure. we have families that live so far apart between states and some individuals don't have the resources or the opportunity to travel to where that family lives to watch a ball game or uh, experience even a, a grandchild's birthday party. Um, so it doesn't have to be so grand. Sure. Sure. Um, although I know that if it's adventurous, I'm going to be the one that wants to do it with them. Yeah, so. <laughs> sure. So, so how will these be funded? Obviously, it's going to be a, a nonprofit, so you'll accept donations. But will be, do you anticipate it'll be grant funded? Will it be primarily private individual donations? What, what do you think that'll look like? Um, I think it'll be a, a combination of all of those things. I think there'll be grants that we'll apply for. As a matter of fact, there's one that I'm writing right now. Um, but I think it'll be the communities um, coming together, uh, it, especially like the Fort Wayne community, although I really don't want this to be just a Fort Wayne thing. I want this to be a nationwide thing at some point. Um but I really see, I see how the communities pull together when there's something like this going on. And a great example of that is last year during COVID, not a lot of things were happening. We put together through Silver Birch a, a half marathon, and we ran that, even though lots of people were canceling their half marathons. Sure. And we ran that as a fundraiser for the American Cancer Society. And I just see the Fort Wayne community 
they're amazing at pulling together and supporting things that they see make our community better. And I have a lot of organizations who have already reached out to me and said, we'd like to host a fundraiser for this. We'd like to to do a, this kind of fundraiser for this. And so I have lots of organizations who want to jump on board and do those things to support this. Um, so I don't think we're going to have any trouble in the Fort Wayne area. Yeah, and I think it's the right size city for this and a lot of other charitable organizations because there's enough people to achieve critical mass in terms of fundraising, but not so many that connecting the dots is difficult. It's really easy to do here where it seems like everybody is two degrees removed from each other instead of six degrees. Well, that that sounds like a ton of fun. So you've got at least four organizations that you're working on. How do you prioritize and and where do you spend the most of your time? Is it 25% on all four or is it you know a little different in terms of commitment? Um, so no, I don't divide my time equally. Yeah. Um, so one thing, I, I do have a professional coach that I work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's important for anyone who's really looking to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. It, no one is above a coach, in my opinion. Um, and so I have really valued um, David's input. And um, he challenges me. He looks at my my calendar each week and he challenges me and says, hey, uh, you're not giving enough time to this organization where are you going to put some time on your calendar for this organization or Mm -hmm. hey you don't you don't have enough sales calls on your on your calendar for this week you got to be getting out there and uh, pushing some sales for your consulting business so he um, really helps keep me focused and uh, I really appreciated uh, working with him and certainly wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that that value that he adds yeah, well, it's it's always helpful to have that objective sort of outside observer keeping us honest and holding us accountable. So that's great. It's the accountability that that is really the most important thing I find. Yeah, for sure. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the work you're doing in terms of the, the projects that are taking up some of your time. But what else is on your plate, on your mind that's exciting to you, keeping you up at night, maybe a combination of those things? So I just am coming off a huge month in June. So I had a son who graduated from high school this month. And so, of course, all of the celebration and and everything that goes along with that. And then just this last week, um, well, this past Friday, uh, one of my daughters got married in Lisbon, Indiana. So that was uh, the culmination of a year's worth of planning. Congratulations on both accounts. That's a lot for a week. Yeah. So all all of these things happening in the month of June, which was amazing. I got through the wedding. And then uh, one of my favorite hobbies is um, I race my Corvette in autocross. Okay. And uh, so I, we had the wedding on Friday, open present Saturday morning, and on Sunday I uh, raced autocross. Wow. Okay. So, so. I ha- what is autocross? This is where I have no knowledge whatsoever. So autocross, they set up a course uh, mm-hmm. sometimes on parking lot. I, okay. Maybe you've seen it on the Coliseum parking lot or out at IPFW. Uh, okay. About three weeks ago, four weeks ago, they had one out at IPFW, and I raced that day. Um, but this one is at Grissom Air Force Base. There's old uh, airplane pads mm-hmm. that they don't utilize anymore. We go out there and we set up a course of cones that you drive around and you compete for time against other drivers. Okay. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Yeah. All right. So like like you needed something else to do, but that sounds like something that's fun more than anything it, else. It is fun. And it's something that uh, so my husband is not as adventurous as I okay. am. He is not going to probably j- good that you have. That yeah. He's not going to jump out yeah. of a plane or yeah. go whitewater rafting okay. with me. Yeah. Uh, so we needed to find a hobby. Uh, our children. So together we have seven children. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and um, we have one more now uh, that's to graduate from high school, but okay. all the rest are grown and moved out. Um, and we needed to find a hobby that we could do together. Yeah. Uh, when the girls were young, he coached softball. And mm-hmm. so we were always at the ball field as a family. And um, so we were looking for a hobby we could do together. And autocross was what we, well, actually, we found the love of the Corvette and mm-hmm. got involved with the Corvette Club and did the parades. And, and we went and worked as workers at a couple of the autocross events. And it's like, Okay, if we're gonna do this, like I want to drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So we got involved. We bought a second Corvette to use just for autocross. Okay. So we've got one for parades, and we've got one for autocross, and um, it's just a hobby that he and I will be able to do together. And All right. hopefully someday, you know, pass that love of the car and the autocross to grandchildren. Or... Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> Four companies, seven kids, multiple <laughs> hobbies. You're officially, I think, the busiest person that we've had on the podcast. Well, they say if you want something to do- done, give it to a busy person, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I get accused of overscheduling myself, but and I'm sure I'm sure you find balance in a lot of different ways with your coach. But just hearing about all that makes me a little tired. So good for you. I just love life. Yeah. So, yeah. and if you look at my car, uh, that's what my license plate says: "Love life." All right. Okay. Well, that leads very nicely into the speed round of the program. And I ask you a few questions that are maybe a little more succinct than what we've discussed. And you've got a great story. So I think I'd love to hear your short, pithy answers to these questions. So the first is about career path. You've worked for other people. You've been an entrepreneur. You've worked in multiple industries. So you've got a lot of different perspectives. What would you say is the best piece of career advice that you could give, whether it's to one of your kids, whether it's to someone who's thinking about starting a venture on their own, whether it's just someone who is working nine to five and wants to do the best work they can. What would you say is your best career advice? So there's there's three things uh, that I say to my children all the time. And one is never stop learning. Uh, always be curious. Always want to learn something new. Um, the second thing is always keep your ears open for opportunities because most people miss opportunities simply because they weren't, didn't, didn't listen to that opportunity that they had. And then the third thing that I've always told my children is that choose the career that you really enjoy because you're going to be doing it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to be willing to live the lifestyle that that choice affords you. Mm-hmm. So to continue to be happy, you've got to make sure that you're living the lifestyle that's associated with the career path that you've chosen. So if you want to work at hamburger joint and you want to be a manager of a hamburger joint, absolutely. If that's what you love, do it. But know that there's a lifestyle that that's going to afford you and you have to be happy and content to live that lifestyle. Yeah, well, and the converse is true too. If, if you want to be a stockbroker on Wall Street, 
you're going to make a lot of money, but you're not going to have a lot of free time. Yeah, so it's exactly. the consequences of whatever career path you choose, because there always are consequences. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, second question is your organizations. And I'm going to ask you a broader question. How do you explain what you do? If somebody stopped you on the street and said, your professional life, tell me all about it. You've got 60 seconds. What would you say? I'm committed to service in the Fort Wayne community. My job is to make the community better. All right. Okay. And if you're asked a follow-up question, how do you do that? How would you respond to that? Um, I've been exposed to a lot of different organizations, and I have a lot of connections. And the best thing that I can often do is just connect people. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that's something that it took me a long time to figure out. And I think on some days I'm still figuring it out that you don't have to know it all. In fact, you can't know it all. The more you, while you should always learn, you can't learn everything. And sometimes it's much better to know people who are highly skilled in an area that complements what you do. This podcast is a great example of that because I don't do any of the technical back end and would fail miserably <laughs> if I tried. And that's why Nick is here because Nick is the brains of the operation. I just show up and talk, which I can do. So yes, we are living that right here on this podcast. Yeah, so that's and, really I, good and I think I shared that earlier that the only reason that my organizations are going to be successful is because of the partners that I've brought in for each one of those have a lot of expertise and they bring a lot of that, um, you know, uh, uh, they bring that part that I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So the last question is related to what we've experienced over the past 16 months. Um, and you've lived a couple different professional lives during that time. But are there any lessons that you learned during COVID, during quarantine, during the pandemic that you think will stick with you? Something you didn't know before, or maybe you didn't have clarity on it that now is an important lesson that you've taken away? Yes, yeah, so I uh, thought a little bit about this. And, um, you know, I don't think that the, the main thing that I took away from the COVID experience was something new, but just a reminder. Um, and that is, the best marketers, the best salespeople know how to close a sale on the phone. Um, and the reason I say that that's something that I was reminded of is working in senior long-term care, senior living, whether it's skilled nursing or whether it's assisted living, you know, I'd have a lot of marketing directors underneath me that say, um, man, if I can get them into the building, I can close the sale. Well, during COVID, you couldn't bring people into the building. Right. Yeah. And so the marketers who were able to pivot back to old fashioned selling, picking up the phone, leading a conversation to a close were the sales and marketing directors that were successful during that time. The ones that weren't able to pivot and really close the deal on a phone conversation uh, were the sales and marketing directors that chose to either leave the field or chose to go to different organizations. So I think the one thing that I learned um, in terms of where I would focus more efforts on coaching a, a new sales and marketing person, no matter what field they're in, is really how to lead that conversation on the phone and how to lead that conversation meet the needs and close that sale on the phone. Um, you know, we saw a lot of virtual hosted meetings. We saw a lot of uh, virtual events happening during COVID and those are all great. But at the end of the day, as a marketer, you're closing the deal, right? And so um, that takes us 
a special um, skill set in terms of being able to um, lead a conversation in the direction that you want it to go and then to be able to close that deal over the phone. So a follow-up question to that. Do you think that is a skill that can be taught to someone or is there something innate about it that only certain people have? Oh, no. I think it can be taught. Um, As a matter of fact, we have a local um, uh, writer who wrote a book, The Verbal Edge, on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you know, Elizabeth. Uh, And I'll tell you, I referenced that book in coaching with the sales and marketing teams that I work with uh, quite often and say, listen, this is an area where you have a real opportunity to grow. And, you know, some of the things that she points out in that book are just simple reminders of things that we learned in sure. in junior high and high school, right? Yeah. Um, that we just didn't stick with us. We developed bad habits over the years. And gosh, she, if she hears this, she'll probably like critique some of the things <laughs> I've said today and say, hey, you if, you read, yeah. if you read my book, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know you shouldn't have done that. But um, anyway, so again, we've got a lot of great talent here in Fort Wayne. That's just one of the resources I think is out there and available to people who are willing to be better tomorrow than they are today. Yeah, well, and and I truly subscribe to that. And the older I get, the more I believe that you can learn to do just about anything. What gets in the way a lot is our mindset. And the fact, we think we can't. So whether it is whitewater rafting or jumping out of an airplane or zip lining or driving <laughs> Corvettes or parenting seven kids, you can figure it out if you set your mind to it. So, um so I'll share this uh, this piece of information with you. So the team that I have in place now, the the people that I've brought onto the team and to be my partners in these different organizations, uh, we all read the book together. Everything is figure outable, mm-hmm. uh, and we every decision that we make uh, within our organization, we reference back to that book. Like, you know, what would Marie Folio do in mm-hmm. this situation? What would she say in this situation? And and uh, it really, every time we come up against an obstacle, you know, we say that mantra to ourselves. Everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. So. Well, thanks for helping us figure out this episode and congratulations on all the good things you're working on. Congratulations Congratulations on the wedding and the high school graduation. And it sounds like you've got one more of those to go. So congratulations for getting six others through that. Thank you. Well, Sherry, thanks for being with us. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And we hope you will join us then. 